when you go to the law, the Lord is saying that if you have an animal, an impure animal that born, you have to take a pure animal and sacrifice it so you can redeem the impure animal. Just think that this impure animal is a donkey. And the Lord said that if you don't, don't do the sacrifice, then you need to break the neck of the donkey. If you go back to Genesis 3, you're going to realize that after the man sinned, the Lord cursed the earth and said to the man, now you're going to work, you're going to sweat, and the earth, it won't give you all the fruit back. Pay attention. So that means our salary, our salary is the product of our hand. We don't labor the earth today. We work. So we need to redeem our income. And if you don't do it, you're going to lose it anyway. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you. Those that can but don't, if you can, I understand. I was in the position where I cannot tie in a moment that everything I have at that time, the Lord supplied me exactly for what I need. So I, I do understand that's, that's not what we're talking about. But when you are getting blessed and you now can, I'm going to ask you this. Don't you realize that your, your money is spent before that getting your hands? It looks like solid water. Everybody got the feeling? I had it. I had it for for like four or five years because I didn't understand. So when the Lord started teaching me this principle, I started tidying 50 bucks. Because that, that was all I was making at that time. 500 bucks a week. Today, Lord is faithful. I own my company. So I, I'm not teaching you this because it benefits anyone, it benefits you. Because trust me, you will do a lot more with the 90% blessed than with an 100% cursed. <laughs> Amen. I will repeat that. You will do a lot more with 90% blessed than with 100% cursed. And it's sad that my wife is not here because she's the one that actually is in charge of the house economy, I oh, run the business. <laughs> when we start, all the numbers were red. It was no way we could make it. I was working at Walmart, 8.25 an hour, 20 something hours a week. My wife got married, when got pregnant, had to quit, and all the debts get into one way. It was no way we could make it, but God provided. So I'm telling you this because it's true. The Lord is faithful. So do we understand that part of the tithe and offerings? That if you don't tithe, it's up to you. It has nothing to do with salvation, but you will lose it. You're going to be that donkey with the broken neck. That's, that's how it goes. And for those, because I know it's people that said that the tithe is Old Testament. It's not true. You will find the Lord in Matthew speaking with the Pharisees about this subject. <clears throat> and the Lord said, Pharisee, Pharisee hypocrite, that you tie, but you, for, you forgot the mercy. It was necessary that you do this without stopping doing the other. So he here said, stop tithing. He said to your tithing, add the mercy, add the compassion to your life. 
And for those of you still don't know, are, are not convinced about it, then go to the book of Acts. And this is actually how New Testament church operate. They sold everything they had, they put it to the church, and they divide it equally. So it's your call. It's your stuff. You do however you want. I'm a little blunt when I talk about the subject. Now, to the teaching from today. We're going to be talking before the giant. For those that have a Bible, we're going to be in the chapter 17 on the first book of Samuel. And before we dig into today's teaching, I want to, I want to add and submit to your consideration something that is going to make you help a little bit different the story. Because I know that David's story, it's, it's famous. Pretty much everyone knows all the struggle that David went. But I want to explain you something that I call the Joshua generation. And it's good teaching about this subject out there. But what I'm going to teach you today, I never heard anyone speaking about. So we know the Joshua generation is the generation that born in the wilderness and they led by Joshua, they conquered the promised land and they divided. And that is what is called the Joshua generation, is the generation that conquered, is the generation who gets to the promise, is the generation who split the promise. However, this is the part that I never heard a teaching before. Who is exactly, or who are exactly the Joshua generation? Who were there? What happened to them? Why they struggled so much in the way they did? The Joshua generation were people cursed by their own parents. There were kids that their own parents put them in pretty bad position in life. And that is the Joshua generation. And the reason I need you to understand this is because you, most of the people that is here, it's part of the Joshua generation. On my case, I come from a family when my mother and my father, they were alcoholics, where domestic violence, it was my everyday. So a lot of the stuff that I pass on my life is because my own parents put me in the position to get exposed to these things. I, I am responsible of my choices. Don't get me wrong, we are responsible of our choices. But we start the race cursed by our own fathers, mothers, and siblings. The Joshua generation is the generation that had to get the circumcision when they were old men. And if you want to have a picture of how, how painful it was, when you go to the book of Genesis, you're going to find Jacob's sons killing a whole town of men at the third day because the pain was so hard they could have stood to defend themselves. So you need to understand 
what it means. This means, according to the law, every male had to be circumcised at the eighth day. But that didn't happen. So now Joshua is dealing with all the men after they've grown up, receiving a pain to get a blessing that they should have through their parents. Do, do you understand where I'm going with this? So now the Lord is providing everything you need to give you the blessing, but you need to go through this suffering. Now you need to go through this pain because you need this to get to the blessing that he has for you. And that is the Joshua generation. It's the generation who struggled because somebody else didn't do the work and now we need to learn how to live in the way we should learn. Be knowing already. And you know what? It is painful. It is painful to be over 40 as I am and learn discipline. It is painful to be over 30 and start learning self-control. When the truth is that I should have a parent who teach me these things. It is hard if you are in my position have two kids and I have no idea how to be a father because my father never showed me what a father is supposed to be. So now I have to learn. Is anyone following me when I'm going here? Gotcha. It's, is anyone getting into, in, in, into the picture? And, and you will see why I'm, I'm, I'm going so around and around the subject and why I want you to sink in this. Because the Joshua generation have something peculiar. They are heavily attacked by the forces of hell. Heavily. You know why? Because when one man or woman that belongs to the Joshua generations decide to make changes in their life, they impact future generations. When, when someone that belongs to the Joshua generation said, it is enough, it stopped curses from the family and start blessing in the next generation. And that's why you are struggling. That's why you can stand up. That's why you, you move and you back. You stand and you fall. You are heavily attacked. And you need to understand this. Because you belong to the Joshua generation. So, do, do you understand this? And now I'm going to prove you this point biblically. Abraham, the father of faith, is a Joshua generation. His father, well, and he had a store where they, they used to sell idols. So, Abraham born in a house where idolatry it was common. David, the King David, is a man that belongs to the Joshua generation. Because Jesse, his father, didn't love him. Jacob, Isaac's son, belongs to the Joshua generation. Because Isaac loved 
his brother and her mother loved him. So he was cursed by his father, loved by his mother. He was part of the Joshua generation. And if you go to the Bible, every time a man like this make a choice to follow the Lord, they impact the story. They change full generations. And you need to understand that you need to make a choice today, not tomorrow, not the next week, not the next month, today, what I'm going to do. Because you need to understand that your choices are not your own, that you are carrying the choices of the next generation with you. No question. Okay? And it is important that we see the Bible practical as it is. And you can see it in your life. You will not, you will not find a perfect family in the Bible. You know why? Because it don't exist. It don't exist. We all have issues. We all have situations. You are not the only one on the battle. You are not the only one on the struggle. And the reason I pick David as my subject to the teaching, because I want you to see what the Lord can do when just we choose to let him work. And today we are at the point where David it's about to get to the camp and see Goliath for the very first time. But before this happened, David, he does some things that he should be wise, we learn, and we emulate in our life. Because this is the reality. You can hear all the preachings that you want. You can hear all the teachings that you want. We can bring the most anointing man or woman here to praise with you. And he, will, he or she will be prayed. You will dance in your tongues, maybe even prophesy. But if you don't go out there and apply the word, nothing will happen. Amen. It's never been about the preacher. It's never been about the teacher. When you, when you go to the Bible and you see the parable that, como digo sombrado? There you go, whatever he said. He goes to throw the seed. You have the same guy, you have the same seed. The only thing that was different was the soil. This is gonna be painful, or I'm gonna let it drop. When the word is not productive in your life, the problem is the soil. It's never been the preacher. It's never been the word. It's the soil. Do you understand what I'm going? When we need to learn to be responsible. Whatever the situation we're going through, we need to be responsible. I am the soil. I am responsible for whatever the seed grow or don't. Do we understand? So if you have your Bible, go to first book of Samuel. 
and I, go in, I will go fast as I can. And the first thing that happened, we know, if we go back to the 17, God tells Samuel, go to Jesse's house because my king is there. So we know that Jesse had a king in his house, but he never saw it. We speak this, it's just a refresh so we can go through. So we know that Samuel put the king anointing on, on David. Then he left with no explanation and nothing apparently happened because all the changes happened in the inside. And now, after that point, David enters a process of maturity. And when you go to the first book of uh, Samuel, chapter 17, 34, we have a conversation between Saul the king and David. And then David said, my Lord, I used to take care of my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear comes, I fought them. And if they put the jaws on my sheep, I open them and I retrieve my sheep. And you need to understand two points in this story. And this is the first thing we need to emulate. Jesse's attitude, it didn't change toward David. The Bible don't tell me even once that he changed. He didn't become fatherly. He didn't become loving. He didn't give any acceptation. Even so, we have David doing the right thing when nobody sees him. So he's protecting something of someone who doesn't love him. I, I gotta let it sink. So you have David risking his life against the lion and the bear, protecting the sheep of a father who doesn't love him, who doesn't find him worthy to call him to the vineyard with someone. But this didn't change David. So rejection affects you how much you allow it. You see that? Rejection affects you how much you allow it. But you can rephrase it however you how to say it properly. Go ahead. Rejection affects you as long as you allow it. There you go. Thank you. So it's good we have someone to translate. From my my king is proper English. I this is important because if you believe that you come into church, that you gave your life to Christ, and you will not experience rejection, I have news for you. Wake up. Wake up. The meanest people I met, I met them in a temple. None of them come to get out with their frustration. <laughs> you, you need to understand this and set your mind because one of the things you're going to need is this tool to stay doing what is right, even with the other person doing wrong to you. And that is called character. Second, David show fidelity on the little things. If you go again to the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, verse 17, we're going to find Jesse sending David to the camp to check his brother and take some bread, love, and, and cheese if I'm not wrong. So, the man who had the king anointing 
He's been doing what? He's been with the chips, right? And now he's a delivery boy. He's anointing to be king, but he's a delivery boy. <laughs> and you know what he does? He shows fidelity on the little thing. We have Jesus speaking about this in Luke 16.10. And he said, this is Jesus talking. <coughs> Whoever is faithful in the little things, it will be faithful in the big things. But whoever is not faithful in the little things will not be faithful on the big things. So if you're waiting for big things to do the right thing, they will never show up. You're wasting your time because you're going against the Bible. So show fidelity on the little things. And I guarantee you, the little things will take you to the big things. But David shows something else in this matter. David walked in his life with excellence. And I'm going to define excellence. Excellence and perfection, they are not the same thing. Excellence is to the best that you can on the level that you are with the tools that you have. And you do the best with this. That is excellent. Perfection is an illusion that only brings frustration. We are not called to walk in this illusion called perfection. We are called to excellence. So whatever you have, use it to the extent that you are able to use it. If you preach, preach. You serve, serve. You teach, teach. You love, then love. But everything do it with excellence for the Lord. See what they could do. Now, see what David did. Because hopefully, nobody of these people come to eat church either. I met so many people who said, Brother George, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Brother, I don't need to judge you. I only need to see what you're doing with your body. And that will tell me the state of your heart. I'm going to prove this in the story. How do we know that David was walking in excellence? When you read the text, in 1 Samuel 17, 20, the Bible said that he woke up early in the morning. First thing in the morning, he woke up to do a little thing. A delivery boy. Second, and most important, hopefully we don't have that kind of leader here. <coughs> Before he left to do as his father commanded, check this, he found someone who can take care of the chiefs 
while he was gone. Hello, leader. You just don't leave and leave everything hanging. That's not excellence. That, that is not excellence. So you're going to move to do something else? God bless you, brother or sister. But find someone to replace you. No, I, I'm not saying it. The text said you are responsible for it. Jesse didn't find anyone. David did. David did. I see some weird faces. I'm getting scared. <laughs> now, you know, when you do these things, you know what happened? New opportunities will rise for you. I'm going to prove it to the text. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 22 and 23, you're going to see that because David woke up early in the morning and went to the camp, he saw someone call Goliath just in time. You need to understand this. If David postponed the time of waking up, he never made it on time to hear Goliath's words. So, if he don't wake up early and act with excellence, he will lose to be in the place that God prepared for him to be and get blessed. Oh. So when we don't walk in excellence, we are losing to be in the place where the blessing is going to be poured. Whoa. And then we said, Lord, why you don't bless me? Lord, why I'm not growing up. Why I feel I'm stuck. I've been there. I've been there in months, actually. I can be pretty stubborn sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. I don't need to hide. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not telling you this because someone told me. I lived through it. I lived through it. So I know that this work because I'm the product of it. That, that's why the reason when I open my mouth, I'm so confident. Because I know it works. Because my Lord, until today, never failed me. Not even once. And I've been learning that every time I'm stuck, or I am behind, or the promise is delayed, it has nothing to do with God and everything to do with me. Because at some point, at some moment, for whatever reason, whatever excuse that I present that it was good for my reasoning, I stopped walking in excellence. And then I lost the window that the Lord prepared for me. And with the blessing, when the rain came down, I wasn't there. So you need to understand that if David don't wake up at the time that he did, we will be reading a complete different story. So what I'm trying to tell you is, if you want to change your story, change to excellence. And I guarantee you that you're going to hit the point that the Lord prepared and the blessing is coming down for you. But for that to happen, we need to start doing these little things. 
And then see what happens. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, David listened the reward that is being offered to whoever faced Goliath. Church, it is okay to say, I don't know. Oh, ¿qué pasó? No, no, yo me callo, dale. Ya, ya predicó, ya predicó. Nos vamos, ok. Church, it is okay to say, I don't know. Teach me. Because before David made the decision to face Goliath, he asked twice, what is the reward to the man who faced this giant? So you need to understand, and this is something that today is not teach, but you need to understand, before you enter any process of your life, before you submit yourself to any change on your life, what is the reward? You need to know what is the reward of the process. Because if you go to face Goliath without knowing the reward, you will do the same of the other men in the camp. You're gonna walk away. You will not face him. You need to understand this. Because you don't understand <coughs> the reason why you're standing before the giant. Because you, you don't fully understand what you're gonna get after the process. Is this Bible? We go into the New Testament. First Corinthians 9.26. And I will ask someone to actually look for that one and read it. Because this is Paul who is speaking. Primera de Corintios 9.26. You can read it, sister. Okay. So how many run? Oh. So he's not running just because. He's not doing that. He's running half a purpose. And the purpose is hit the goal. Because in the goal is the reward. You, you need to understand the Bible speak about this over and over and over again. But we don't get it. We, we don't understand it. You, you need to start understanding your reward. Because every change comes with two things. One, sacrifice. Two, reward. I'm going to prove this. If you are like me and struggling with your sweet belly, if we make the sacrifice to eat what we are supposed to eat, we will lose some weight. What is the reward? I'm going to be more healthy, cholesterol down, so on and so forth. But we love so so much the burritos, taquitos, enchiladas, so on and so forth. Alcapurria, bacalaito, pasteles. Does anyone understand where I'm going with this? If you invest time studying the Bible, your reward is understanding of the Bible. If you if you invest your time walking in excellence your reward will be blessing. Do you see the connection? But for some reason, 
We are so focused on the process. We are so focused on the suffering. We are so focused on the pain. So focused on how hard it is. Because if it's easy for you, you are in the wrong gospel, brother. The easy peasy gospel, take care of that. This is not easy. Do the right thing is hard. Sometimes I want to bless people. In the name of Jesus. Take some all of my card, anoint it, and demon, if you're gonna you don't want out, you're gonna sabotage the house, but something's gonna happen. No, no. I, I, I'm being real because we need to understand that there is a reward, church. It is a reward for you. Do you understand that? You don't look so convinced. I, I have some cheesy. It's, it's, it's now, let me show you. If you start getting focused on the reward, let me show you what will happen to you. It's going to be a shift of focus. And focus amplifies whatever you put in front of it. If you take your phone, you take a point, you focus, you're going to look closer. That's what he does. So when we, look, we, we get focused on the problem, on the situation, on the process, on the pain, what happened? You get magnified. Then we start seeing things bigger than that they actually are. We get so stressed that all we need is someone showing the key and we are ready to fight. And this is true, husbands and wives, mothers and kids. But a shift of your focus, understanding the reward. We're going to make you say the same words that David said. What is the reward to the man who faced that giant? Because who is that giant to challenge the army of the Lord? The other man, we're seeing the struggle. And let me tell you this, because I, we, we're going we to go to this in the next point. These people have been here at this point almost 30 days already. And every day, Goliath walks and do the same thing over and over and over again. And these people doing the same thing over and over and over again expecting a different result it will not happen the same not the same equals the same but we keep doing it we keep repeating the mistakes we keep doing the same thing and for whatever reason we are gamblers i'm going to do it and see what happens that's the flesh brother the flesh like that, that kind of life but the the situation is, I I see you know your Bible, so the situation is this one, brother. That the Bible says the wise see the danger high, but the fool, why would you drink the wine? It's dangerous. You do it. I told you, but you want to. You don't have to. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. 
So all we need is change the focus. If you keep focus on the red of the wine, well, then you're going to jump on that. Come on, man. Also, you throw up blood. I got you. I did it. I know that. But if you focus on something else, now we have a different picture. And we have David shifting his focus, understanding his reward. But now we need to be aware of this. So now we are walking in excellence. Now we make the adjustment. We are understanding the reward. But it's one more thing. It's, it's actually two more things you need to be aware of. And is in First Samuel 17, 28, we're going to have unnecessary conflicts that they are actually distractions. And we fell for these ones. We have a conversation between Eliab, who is David's oldest brother, and David. And I want you to see the argument that Eliab is using to attack David. Because you need to understand first, when you start making these adjustments, you will start making progress. And it's people that it's okay with you when you are stuck. And when you are at the same level or beneath them, they are fine. They want you to see you good, but not better than them. <laughs> Do you understand where I'm going? So that's Eliab. Eliab is the people who does nothing about it. He's been, the, he's been in the campament for 30 days, 39, listening to Goliath, doing nothing. Now David shows up and he says he's going to do something and he snaps. Brothers and sisters, don't share your dream and vision with everyone. You're wasting your time. Say that again. <laughs> You're wasting your time. You know what David did? He walked away. He didn't waste his time. He just walked away. When you find these kind of people, walk away. You don't owe them an explanation. Church, we own people to love them. No intimacy. So I love you, but it's not your business. Thank you. I love you. But that that you're asking, it doesn't concern you. Why you care? And you know what these people do? They're gonna flip the switch and they're gonna attack you. I see that, I'm getting scared. <laughs> but why they attack you? Why they snap when you share your dreams, when you share your vision, when you share your plans? Why suddenly they snap on you? Why? Why? You never wonder? Let me explain you. You know, Eliab, it's actually the firstborn. So he is, by birth, the next head of the family. Pay attention. And he looks like Saul. You remember when the chapter started and Samuel saw him? Oh, certainly this is the man. And if the Lord don't speak, we have a different book again. He was afraid. <clears throat> afraid of what? Afraid 
that the little brother, the brother that the father didn't love, the brother that nobody pays attention, the brother that they were insignificant, now do something he was not able to do. So he had to stop him. He had to stop him because he don't want to be left behind. It is okay when you are under my shade, but it's not okay if I stay under yours. That's a whole different message right there. <laughs> yes. there and that is what we use. So he is afraid. And see what he did. He started using tactics. David, what are you doing here? I know the bad intent of your heart. First, David wasn't there because he wanted. David was sent. That's the first thing. Second, David wasn't there to, to do evil to anyone. He was bringing bread. He was there to feed him. But he was making assumptions. You know why he was making assumptions? Because fear. He was provoking him to do so. That sensation of being left behind. That sensation of insecurity. He was pulled the trigger, so he attacked David. But he didn't stop there. So he questioned David's intention, right? Now he questioned David's abilities. What do you did with the few chicks of my father? He could say, what do you do with my father's chick? And it was okay. But he actually, with all the malice and intention, said, the few, because they will tell you, you are designed for little things. You are designed to stay in the bottom. That dream, that vision is way too big for you. Dream little. That's Amelia. Walk away. So he's attacking, he is questioning David's ability to do something. Now I see some connection. It's people, it's people connecting. That's good. Okay, next. And you're going to like this one. So we know we are in 1 Samuel 17. I'm getting there. So the book every time. So in the verse 33. Now we find the last challenge of before the giant. We are not facing the giant yet. This is all happening before you get to the giant. We have a little adjustment to do, huh? So now we have David in front of Saul, the king. Remember this, he's in front of the king, Saul. And the first thing that Saul told him was, son, you cannot do it. Go to the book, is there? So he, he was making assumptions because they did appearance. Because see people who judge you for how you look. They don't know your heart. They don't like you just because how you look. They don't even speak to you, but they speak evil of you. And every time you start doing something, you cannot do that. That's not allowed. We don't do that here. We tried it before. <laughs> we tried it before. 
Is that why it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward appearance. There you go. There you go. So, they, 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 now listen to this, because this is important. Saul, you remember Eliab is the people who don't want you to do something because they don't want to stay behind. They don't want to see you go to the next because they get stuck, right? But Saul is a complete different story. Saul is the people who does nothing, but they want to tell you how to do it. <laughs> it's in the text. It's in the text, brothers and sisters. So first, they tell you, you cannot do it. When they realize they can stop you, oh, now I'm going to tell you how to do it. And, and they, they go beyond that. They are good people. They're going to give you the tools to do it. Read the text. They're going to provide you with what you need to do it. The same tools that they didn't use. <laughs> so we have people sitting in church chairs and benches, stuck and left behind, not because they lack of tools, just because they don't use them. <coughs> because they are so focused telling people what to do that they don't have time to do it themselves. But 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 now I want you to see David's attitude. Sometimes you have to have a tough talk with people. And tell them respectfully, I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> respectfully, I fight lions. Respectfully, I face bears. Respectfully, I'm going to shove the head of that giant. Oh, respectfully. <laughs> but you, have, you, you need to have this tough talk with people sometimes. Because if you don't defend your dream, nobody will. If you don't stand for your conviction, nobody will. And these people, they want to destroy it. They want to tell you how to do it. They want to tell you what to do. But they don't do anything. But now, they decided. David's attitude. He tried the tools. The Bible said that David was humble enough to try something new. David was humble enough. He took the armor. He took the shield. He took the sword. But he was honest enough to say, thank you, but not thank you. These don't work for me. I, I don't know how to use this. Because you need to understand, when you're going to face Goliath, it's not the time to learn something new. It's the time to apply what you know. Amen. Yep. You don't go to face a giant if you don't know how to use the armor. And you need to understand this. Because if you read the story, it's not that David didn't learn how to use this stuff. He did. It just at that time, at that precise moment, he can face that particular giant with those tools because he wasn't ready for them. So don't take tools before your time. Use what you know. You are not held accountable for what you don't know. You are held accountable for what you know. So use what you know. 
You don't need a better sword. You don't need a better word. You don't need a new prophecy. You don't need more anointing. All you need to do is use the one you have. Amen. 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 That's all you need. And everyone in this room has something. Yes. Because the Lord gave you something. Amen. He created it. So, so you're ready to face the giant. <coughs> the question is, the question is, are we going to meet the changes that it had to be done so we can experience the bless that the Lord won for us? Does anybody learn anything today? Just something. Go and find. Go out there. What I teach is not a spiritual word. I'm not, I don't consider myself a spiritual man. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with my character. I struggle with this big mouth. Sometimes I say before I think. And next I know I have to ask him forgiveness. You, you need to understand I'm not different from you. I'm not standing here because I'm better than anybody else. I'm standing here because the mercy of the Lord. And if the Lord do it with me, I got to tell you one thing. He can do it with you. You do not change. You do not change. If you woke up today, it's only one thing and one thing only. Grace was extended to you. Amen. So what do you want to do with the grace that has been given to you today? Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Today. Exactly. Do you understand what I mean? The, the problem with that is you don't use grace at church. You use grace out there. This is practical living. Church equip you. Out there, you fight. Do you understand where I'm going? So you have a giant that is expecting for you. He's been waiting for you. And nobody else will face it for you. Because he has something that belongs to you. But that goes in the next teaching.